Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spirited and spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning and dedicated to being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to our neighbors and welcoming them here. If you're on the live stream with us, you may greet one another in the comments. If you have comments on your platform, we would love to know where you're watching from. Um, let us greet one another in the name of the divine. Good morning. It's wonderful to see all your beautiful faces today. I'm Julie Pache, and I'm your lay leader, and a very warm welcome to everyone who is joining us online also. Please join me as we say the words for lighting the chalice together. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning is written by Barbara Wells. O spinner, weaver of our lives, your loom is love. May we who are gathered here be empowered by that love to weave new patterns of truth and justice into a web of life that is strong, beautiful, and everlasting. I am resilient, I trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative. I show up at the table again and again and again. I'll close my mouth and learn to listen. Whoa, 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 whoa,
congregation wrote a mission statement for itself, and it guides our decisions as we go forward together. We write it on the wall. Uh, Every seven years, we revisit it, and we write the new one on the wall. This is our mission. Let us say it together. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. After we say our mission, we have a moment for beloved community, and I would like to take this moment to read you the statement from Side with Love, which is a Unitarian Universalist um, arm of the denomination, a statement about reproductive justice. Our Unitarian Universalist faith affirms that all of our bodies are sacred and that we are each endowed with the twin gifts of agency and conscience. Each of us should have the power to decide what does and doesn't happen to our bodies at every moment of our lives, because consent and bodily autonomy are holy. And when disparities in resources or freedoms make it difficult for certain groups of people to exercise autonomy over their own bodies, Our faith compels us to take liberatory action.
a Mother's Day reading in two parts. In religious community, we share our joys and our triumphs, our sorrows, and our broken places. In this circle of care, we make space for the complexity of life, the myriad experiences that bless and break our hearts. The truth of human experience dictates that on any given day, we each come to the table with hearts in different places. It is especially so on this day, invented to honor women who nurture. In this circle of care, we honor the truth that mothering is not and never will be quantified in one single descriptor. Mothering can be elusive or infuriating, fulfilling or confusing, commonplace or triumphant. It exists in the everyday experiences of each person. There is no human being that is not connected to or disconnected from a mother. And so we honor the complexity of experience, writ large in flowered platitudes, but here in this space laid bare, honoring the truth in each of our hearts. There is room for all in this circle. If you have carried a child or children, whether or not they came to be born, we see you. If you have fervently wished to do so, and circumstances of fate made it impossible, we see you. If you love children we cannot see, whether because of death or estrangement, we see you. If you never wanted to be a mother, we see you. If you are happy to mother other people's children as an educator, an auntie, or a foster parent, we see you. If your mother hurts you, physically or emotionally, we see you. If you had no mother at all, we see you. If your mother is or was your best friend, we see you. If your gender says you're not a mother and yet you take on the role of nurturer, we see you. If you wonder whether your mothering has been enough, we see you. And if yours is a different truth altogether, we honor your unspoken story. There is room for all in this circle. May it be so today and always. And now let us enter into an attitude of prayer and meditation where we speak and listen to God as we understand God, where we listen to our inner wisdom or where we just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Our forebear, Ralph Waldo Emerson, called this the wise silence that we will be entering into together. As we continue in an attitude of meditation, you are welcome to light candles of joy or sorrow, hope, remembrance, or dedication.
On Thursday, I decided I was too mad to do a sermon. So I thought I would channel that into doing a sermon about being angry. Our month's theme is beauty. So I thought I would talk about the beauty of rage. It feels like our country is run by evil lunatics who are patient, scheming, deliberate, cheating evil lunatics whose main interest is in keeping the poor powerless. Regulating the bodies of women who are not rich enough to fly to other states or countries to get reproductive health care. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said she did not ask for any special treatment on the basis of her sex. She just asked that the heavy-footed get their feet off of women's necks. Everyone I know is angry about this. We're feeling betrayed or we're feeling lied to or we're feeling like going back one-to-one to the people who told us we were overreacting five or six years ago. And saying, see, see, see. (laughs) What do we do with all of this anger? I'm going to speak briefly as a theologian, and then I'm going to speak as a therapist. So, here we go. Um, The spiritual traditions of anger are, um, these are among them. The Dalai Lama suggests that anger is like a cloud blowing over the sun. And if you let it go, it will pass. And if you develop a heart of compassion, you can move through the world peacefully. (laughs) That is not working for me right now. (laughs) The Hebrew scriptures are full of anger. God's anger at the people, the people's anger at God. In the Jewish scriptures, anger is a faithful response. Sorry. A faithful response to God, showing that you are engaged with God and that you expect things from God and that God has expected things from you. And God is mad at you or you are mad at God. It is nowhere frowned upon. The Christian scriptures say, be angry, but do not sin. So anger is not sin, differently from how some of us were taught. Jesus was famously angry, Rabbi Jesus, when he overturned the the tables of the money changers in the temple. He took a whip to them. And now let me talk as a therapist. Anger is a signal, a big blaring alarm signal that your boundaries have been violated or that too much is being asked of you or being taken from you or that yourself is being given away or that your rights are not being respected or that you're being confined or you're not getting your way, that somebody took your gorilla, they were not supposed to take your gorilla in your mind. Anger is meant to move you 
in a painful situation. Not always justified. Sometimes is, sometimes isn't. It's just there. Anger is not good or bad. It's just there. It's how you deal with it that's important. What you do with it that's important. There are a lot of different styles of anger. You probably have run into most of them. There's cold anger where you say, what's wrong? And they go, nothing. (laughs) There's logical anger where the person makes their case. And if you have feelings about the way they're making their case, then you are being too emotional. Because in our culture, our white supremacy culture, the one who is least emotional wins. Being too emotional is a thing. Being too logical is not a thing, interestingly enough. (laughs) Some people are very humorous with their anger. They'll just say something that's kind of funny, but it also has little barbs on it. Some people are sarcastic with their anger. Some people um, are hot and harsh with their anger, and it just all blurts out. Some people use the gunny sack method, where they save up every single thing that they've been mad about over the last several months, and they put it in the sack, and then when it's finally time to let it go, they shake it all over you. (laughs) And furthermore, last Tuesday... Some people are very verbal. Some people are physical. They punch walls or they punch people. Sometimes the violence is self-directed. Sometimes someone would get so angry they kind of punch themselves. So feeling anger is not bad or good, right or wrong. Um, Venting. Just when somebody calls their mother to vent, or you call your sister to vent, venting is a grand way to keep things the way they are. Because you just you let off steam, you let off steam, you let off steam, then you can stay in the situation for a little bit longer, a painful situation. Sometimes you vent, nothing changes. Um, a lot of couples, um, gay or straight, don't care. It's all the same thing. A lot of couples have the same conversation over and over and over and over and over again. Just by the way, I had somebody at the, my beloved Princeton UU church when I had given a talk about gay people being similar to straight people in some way or another, I can't remember. She came, she came out through the line and she said, I have never known a gay but I realize that your lives are much like ours. <laughs> you can have a whole class on the microaggressions in that. <laughs> anyway. Gay or straight, same thing. People have the same argument over and over and over again because it's not about the money. It's not about that thing. Usually it's about child raising or about money or about relatives. Um, Those are the standards. You're too easy on the children. You're too hard on the children. You spend too much money. You don't spend enough money. 
got to spend money to make money. Yeah, that's what people who aren't rich say. Um, You have the same conversations over and over again. Again, I have not been in your house. I promise. (laughs) Usually the conversation is about control. Who has the control? Who is being controlled and who is controlling? And that, speaking as a couples counselor for many, many years, that is a complicated question because usually it's both and. And sometimes there's one of the couple that will take the other one's foot and put it on their neck and then say, your foot is on my neck. Usually it's about control and independence. And at the bottom of it, the very, very base of it is, do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? Is at the basis of almost every argument. But you can stay stuck for a long time just with venting. Uh, Jungian analyst Clarissa Pecola Estes says this about anger. She says, and I've been trying this this week, just a little bit, not too much. She says, approach your rage with patience. When there is calm, ask the rage to sit down with you, have coffee, talk. There can be learning. I sit down with my rage and I say, what are you about? And the rage is like, the Supreme Court, of course. (laughs) And so many of us did not have bodily autonomy as children. That's something that's pretty rare in childhood to be able to do with your body what you want and not hug Uncle Edgar if he wants to hug you. Um, We're getting better about that. But this claw of control that is coming down over women right now opens old childhood wounds along with just being outrageous on its face. And so we have a lot of rage and the purpose of studying anger and talking about anger is not to become gentle saints. I don't think. We pay attention to our rage the way we would pay attention to the fire in the fireplace. Rage is a fire. And it can fuel you. It can keep you warm. It can keep you going. But it can also burn your house down if you lose track of it. If you don't keep it in its container. We don't want rage going up against rage in the streets. That's not how our politics works. Rage against rage is fascism. We don't want that. We want rage to be channeled into organizing and strategy and planning and getting out the vote and voting. We want our rage to be channeled. And you can tell if your house is burning down from the fire in your fireplace because you feel tired and you're 
you're driving your life with a pedal to the metal and your brakes are smoking and your tires are smoking and you're polluting the air all around you and you're bitter and you shun tenderness and you dash hope around you or you just feel helpless like nothing you ever do is going to make any difference and that everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be wrong. That's how they want you to feel. We need to feel competent and together. And we need to roar together like they did in the song, resilience. We need to mourn. The way we mourn together is we howl. You remember? Let's howl together for a minute. Yes. Lamentation is an important part of being alive, and we have reason for lamentation right now. But the lamentation has to morph into a roar. Let's roar together. Roar! Yes. We don't stay stuck in lamentation. We, we don't stay stuck in rage. What do we wallow in? We wallow in forgiveness and joy. We wallow in organizing and planning and strategy. The others are temporary places to be. Necessary. Temporary. We need a fire that cooks rather than the fire of conflagration. And sometimes beauty, to bring us back to our theme, can help us with our rage. You remember the cellist of Sarajevo, Verdran Smolovich, who, who played Albinoni's Adagio in G, which was a piece of music that was found in the wreckage of the bombed-out city of Dresden. It was pulled from the wreckage. And he played Adagio in G, at funerals in the city of Sarajevo when snipers were in the hills shooting people in the streets. He played in bombed-out craters. He brought beauty to that besieged city. And you've seen musicians in Ukraine playing for the refugees. And you've seen musicians in Ukraine playing for people who are trapped in basements. You bring a little bit of beauty. You, you make a little bit of art. Artists are making art and musicians are making music in Ukraine. And art and beauty and music, those are resistance things. Those are a way of resisting the heavy-footed. The heavy-footed are bad at art. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> We resist. I'm wondering whether our chalice, our lit chalice, can add another meaning for the spark of its flame. It can be the flame of truth, the warmth of community, the fire of commitment, and the blessed spark of rage that fuels us to keep up the struggle. May it be so. In the words for extinguishing the chalice, we extinguish extinguish the flame flame 
but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. And we hold the blessed spark of rage in our hearts. Yes. Amen. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things will be brighter. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things will be brighter. Someday we'll get it together and we'll get it undone. Someday when your head is much lighter. Someday we'll walk in the rays of a beautiful sun. Someday when your world is much brighter. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.